That's right, my friends. You are back again. Welcome back to another episode of On the Mic with Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike. From controversial issues that affect us in the criminal justice system to controversial issues that affect us across the nation, both locally and otherwise. I am that controversial person that's going to go there and talk about those issues. You're always going to learn something when you're listening to this podcast, so grab your pens and your paper. You can go on ahead and follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or on Instructor Mike. You can also go to my YouTube page instructor mike as well and you can subscribe to this podcast we would greatly appreciate it here is another issue that we are going to talk about on on the mic with mike Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of On the Mic with Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike. What's going on, Lance? I'm also uh, interacting with my uh, Facebook followers on Facebook as well. It's a uh, public post, so you're more than welcome to follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. Uh, Also, you can go to YouTube and uh, subscribe to my YouTube page, Instructor Mike. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell for notifications. I have a lot of good content on there and we'll have even more uh we're looking to have a couple of people uh on the podcast as well uh so stay tuned that's going to happen this week uh perhaps more so towards the uh last part of the week we're in that last part of this week too all right so we're going to talk about uh three things we're going to talk about scott peterson the former broward county uh deputy uh sheriff who was the first person who was on scene already at the school during the uh, shooting at the Missouri Stoneman Douglas uh, shooting in Parkland, Florida, we're going to talk about his situation. He was charged with multiple counts stemming from his failure to act. Can he be charged? Well, he can be charged, of course, but can he be convicted? Will it stick? We'll talk about that. I'm going to actually make that last. I'm going to come home before I go out of state to talk about uh, the uh, situation in Broward County, but I'm going to come home to talk about Chicago police officer Terrence Finley uh, involved in a traffic crash uh, just a couple of days ago. And that traffic uh, crash actually took the life of uh, a beloved person in Chicago. Uh, And so we'll talk about that as well. We're also going to talk about Chicago violence, uh, the situation in Chicago, the violence plan in Chicago. You know, what what works, what what doesn't work. We'll talk about those things, too. Um. So let's go on ahead and just dive right into it. We are talking about uh, the situation with Chicago police officer Terrence Finley. And of course, I'm reading the statement verbatim from uh, uh, CBS2 News. You can go to uh, chicago.cbs2local.com. An off-duty Chicago police officer who was charged with the crash that killed Marquita Reed posted bond Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Terrence Finley, a 24-year-old, is a Chicago police officer who was charged with reckless homicide, aggravated DUI, which is driving under the influence, and failing to reduce speed. Uh, Of course, they uh, sum up the charges, but it's failure to reduce speed to avoid an accident. Uh, It was stated that he was driving 75 miles per hour as he swerved to avoid another car and slammed into a building where Reed was sitting. This is, of course, Marquita Reed, uh, 35-year-old of Chicago. 
A judge sets the bond at $40,000 after hearing Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and investigators say that uh, Finley's blood alcohol level was just over the legal limit at 0.083. The legal limit being 0.08. Anything at 0.08 or greater, you are considered in the state of Illinois and in fact in the United States of being uh, of operating a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol. Okay. Uh, and we'll talk about that because it's actually not blood alcohol level because I highly doubt they did a blood test on him. It's the breath alcohol level after having done a, a breathalyzer, okay, uh, where he crashed into a Gresham res uh, restaurant early Sunday. Uh, Finley's defense attorney, Tim Gray, said the crash happened when Finley took evasive action to avoid another car and tur that turned in front of him at the intersection of 87th and Wood in Chicago's Gresham neighborhood. It was tragic all around, Grace said. He's mortified. Uh, he's wrecked. He can't believe this happened. He didn't come. Uh, he didn't become a police officer to take a life. He feels horrible about this, his defense attorney added. He's a good kid and comes from a good family. Uh, Finley told the police, allegedly told the police, that he swerved to avoid hitting a car that turned in front of him at the intersection of 87th and Wood. Reed, Marquita Reed, 35 years old, was sitting in inside of Tony's Philly Steak uh, when the off-duty officer's Toyota came crashing into the wall. Another woman was injured but is expected to be okay. Uh, and then they continue to go on and talk about um, the uh, RPMs, things like that. Uh, I'll read it. Uh, Assistant Cook County State's Attorney James Murphy said Finley uh, had left a birthday party. Yeah, this is something we're going to talk about too because I have a problem uh, with that. What's going on, Javon? How are you? Yeah, uh, I have a problem with that. We're going to talk about that. And I, I've done a lot of DUIs myself, okay, as a former police officer. Matter of fact, DUIs was one of the uh, things that I actually loved uh, doing uh, when I was in traffic. Um, okay, Philly was driving, allegedly driving 75 miles an hour when he made a left turn to avoid another vehicle, according to data recovered from the car's airbag module. The module's data revealed that within five seconds of impact into the restaurant, the defendant's gas uh, vehicle's gas pedal was at full throttle. The RPMs were at 5,000, and the defendant's increased in speed from 73 to 75 before he engaged the brakes and crashed into the restaurant. Okay, um, so we could talk about a lot of different things that you know. It's obvious that this was tragic. You know, uh, she leaves behind, and we're talking about Marquita Reed. She leaves behind. Uh, two children, both 11 and 13. Uh, we'll talk about that too. And that's what really hurts. You know, it hurts deep. And so, you know, I watched a lot of the news programming and they are, there's a level of blame that does come into this. Uh, and we'll talk about that. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that officer Finley does not deserve to uh, be held accountable for driving under the influence of alcohol, but I'm looking at several indicators and several things that took place prior to him getting behind that wheel. As it states in the article, he was just leaving a birthday party. He was just leaving a birthday party with family. So that's my first question. One, where, where is the, I know somebody saw him drunk. I mean, was he at the party? Was he drunk at the party? If he was drunk at the party and there was drinking going on at the party, who in the family saw him drunk? Who in the family said, hey, you just became a police officer. It's a it's a lot going on, you know, whether we agree with your decision or disagree with your decision. And that's another thing in the black community to talk about, you know, uh, police officers in our communities and whether or not we even uphold them. 
you know, you hear people in protest saying, look, we need more black police officers who are representative of the communities they serve. Well, if that is the case that we need more police officers that are representative of the communities that they serve, then what do we say about supporting our officers in our community who look like us? Let's talk about that, you know. But uh, in looking at that uh, situation, you know, who who would stop him or who should have stopped him? We could sit there and say, yes, he should have stopped himself. Yes, we know. Okay, But alcohol is, uh, uh, is something that people enjoy. You know, some people drink it socially. Some people drink it to mask problems or to drown problems because alcohol tends to uh, lower your inhibitions. It tends to be the thing that makes you feel good, makes you forget about whatever problems you're going through uh, that day or maybe in life, or maybe the past decade. Who knows? But I think it is something to. Yeah. You said, isn't that like three beers? Yeah, it could be something like three beers. It depends on your uh, uh, your body mass, too. You know, your tolerance and, and your ability to be able to uh, handle the alcohol. We have some people who could be over the limit and be functioning alcoholics. They may not even show the signs of being under the influence of alcohol, you know. But I look at this, you know, I looked at the walk that he uh, had. And we're talking about Terrence Finley, of course. I look at the I looked at the walk that he had when coming outside of the Cook County Jail after having posted bond for his charges he was alone. He was alone. And then I just happened to remember that same walk that Jason Van Dyke had when he was coming out of the Cook County Jail. Now, for some of you all who are listening to this uh, podcast who don't know about the situation with Jason Van Dyke, he is the former Chicago police officer who was charged with uh, and convicted of the killing of Laquan McDonald. It's a very, very controversial case that made headlines. He was uh, convicted of that. But I look at the walk with Terrence Finley, uh, also a Chicago police officer, and Jason Van Dyke then a Chicago police officer, same distance, same walk, even though different times of day, different circumstances. Sure. Uh, officer, uh, Van Dyke was on duty. Okay. Uh, officer Finley was not on duty. Officer Van Dyke had, had a, at least well over a decade of experience as a Chicago police officer. Twas not the case with Officer Finley, he had only been on the job for two years, okay? So we can argue he was probably fresh out of probation. We don't know whether or not he he uh, joined the Fraternal Order of Police. I, I wasn't a Chicago police officer, so I don't know, even though I was a member of the Fraternal Order of Police and how we were able to join versus how they're able to join is a little bit different. You know, but from what I'm hearing, he was not able to join the Fraternal Order of Police until after he got out of probation because... That's when your union protection tends to, uh, you know, be active, if you will. It's not automatic from what I understand. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But the one thing that I happen to notice is where is his support? We're not saying that he was right for getting behind the wheel of the vehicle. Not saying that at all. You're talking about somebody who is 
made a career or a percentage of the uh, career that I had busting people with DUIs, high conviction rate, high success rate, love DUIs, love the paperwork, the methodical nature wherein you determine a person is under the influence of alcohol according to 11501 of the Illinois Vehicle Code. Loved it. That having been said, um, where was his support? Where was his support? You see that when Van Dyke accused of killing uh, Laquan McDonald, and that was a very, very controversial case. We could argue that it was split along racial lines. We are arguing that uh, the case could be split along career lines. Police officers supporting police officers until proven guilty. You know, some police officers believing that he was wrong for shooting him. Some police officers believing that, that Laquan posed an imminent deadly threat. Some of you all thinking, what's my opinion? If you follow me, you already know my opinion. My opinion is that I believe, and I'm going to sidebar it for a little bit. My opinion is that I believe that, you know, the rest of the officers held for a reason. Van Dyke inserted or was inserted into a situation where, you know, he uh, could have exacerbated or made worsened or induced the jeopardy that caused him to feel as though he had to use force, even though his his beliefs about that decision to use force were not reasonable. That's the definition of second degree murder. And such he was convicted of that. But I'm looking at the support. That's what I'm looking at. When he was walking and when he had just posted bond for having been charged with first degree murder, surrounded by fellow cops, FOP, more so FOP than fellow cops, surrounded, surrounded. Yet, you know, and you, and you hear constantly, constantly. In fact, I've made several media appearances uh, in different media outlets in Chicago because of my opinions about this uh, case. You know, you hear the, well, let, let, let's, let's wait until he's proven guilty. Proven guilty. Even though use of force experts could sit there and say, well, pshaw, proven guilty. Yeah, you can look at the video. The video does not show him being an imminent deadly threat. Was he a deadly threat? Sure. Had a knife? Sure. Punctured uh, a Chicago police Squad, tire, sure. With a knife, yes. Knife can be used to cause death or great bodily harm, sure. Violates a 21-foot rule, sure. But was he an imminent deadly threat? No. In fact, the video shows him walking away. And then being shot. So, we look at this given situation with uh, Officer uh, Terrence Finley. Yes. Was he drunk? Yes. We don't know that, but... I'm pretty sure they can more likely than not prove that being the case, especially if he blew into a breathalyzer. Um, did he have responsibility to make sure that he did not get behind the wheel? Yes, but I say judge not lest ye be judged. And this is the reason why I say that there should be more support for him because yes, you have more people that suffer from alcohol addiction. Not saying that Terrence Finley was an addict or addicted to alcohol, but... How many cop bars are there in the city of Chicago? How many cop bars are there in the nation? Right? How many bars are there where you have the police that in, from multiple districts, multiple divisions that just come to a bar and associate with each other and, and share and talk of stories? They have their guns on them. Right? They have their guns on them. You're not supposed to do that according to Illinois law. You're not supposed to do that according to department policy, but they have their guns on them. 
That's not true, Tariah. That's not true. Their initial walkouts were alone. That's not true. Apparently, you didn't watch the video. Van Dyke's walkout was not alone. Van Dyke's walkout was surrounded, surrounded by persons who were either of the Fraternal Order of Police or members off-duty of the Chicago Police Department. So that's not true. But I'm looking at this question about support. Where was his support? We're going to go ahead and take a commercial break with On the Mic with Mike, and we'll be right back to talk more about this support. Because I think that, yes, we can, we can sit here and look at his actions and say, yes, okay, he, he, he bears responsibility for sure. And we grieve for Marquita Reed because she didn't ask for that. It's something that happened. And I'm sure Officer Finley did not want to engage in such activity that could take a person's life unnecessarily. But where was the support? We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, we're back with On the Mic with Mike. Um, let's get right into it. Let's not mince words. He was at a birthday party. How many people were at this party? Was it a birthday party with family, friends, loved ones? Who saw him under the influence? Was he under the influence at this birthday party? Why didn't someone just say, hey, let me take your keys and get you an Uber? We can't sit there and say, well, why you're drunk? Hey, why didn't you do it yourself? Come on now. If you've if you've never been drunk, right, then you don't know. You don't know. You may not have the ability to be able to have rational thought. Isn't that the reason why you can't operate a motor vehicle under the influence? So you can't operate the motor vehicle under the influence, but we expect you to be able to make rational decisions as to getting behind the wheel of the vehicle when you're drunk. Somebody at his house may have seen that. Somebody at the place where he was at may have seen that. Did he have an alcohol problem? Not saying because he's young, he doesn't have an alcohol problem. I can tell you that I've served with soldiers in the military who in their 20s had alcohol problem. Served with soldiers in their 20s that had alcohol problems. Will, when you say I do, what do you mean? Put your comments on there. I'm watching them right now. Let me know so I can comment with you. And I thank you for watching. Um, yeah, suffer from alcohol problems. What do we do? What do we do? Where's the support? Where's the support? How many officers had he gone to the club with? Had he, had he been to the bar with? Did he get too drunk? Could he handle his liquor? Was there a problem that they could have seen or perhaps maybe stopped? I don't know. I don't know. But I just look at the walk between, you know, uh, Officer Van Dyke and Officer Finley. And I see that there's a lot of Fraternal Order Police support. Now, somebody just commented on my page, Hector Lyons, saying, I'm sure the support will come. I don't know. No, I wasn't Chicago Police. Robert Cribben asked, were you CPD how many years? No, I wasn't Chicago Police, but I was a, a, a suburban police officer for 10 years. So... Yeah, I feel for him too. I feel for him too. He he's, he comes from a good family, um, and it's a shame because we need good officers in our community, and there's nothing out there to suggest. There's nothing out there to suggest that he was a bad officer. Nothing. And you're right, Will. I'm going to read his comment. Will Washington says, uh, by the way, he's uh, um, one of my associate instructors uh, at uh, Security Training Concepts. 
great, great guy, great guy. When I am drunk, buzz, pissy drunk, whatever the phrase you like to use it, I am conscious enough to say, hey, take my keys. Responsibility and accountability. But I am me and he is he. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right, Will. Absolutely right. Can't sit here and say you're wrong. Thousand percent. But the one thing I love that you said was, I am me and he is he. That is very true. I love that statement. Not everybody has that strong will. And so I'm not looking at him to make a rational decision under the influence of alcohol. Of course, you have the time, you know, as you're approaching that and saying, hey, you know, let me give somebody else my keys. Let me do this. Let me do that. <laughs> so we're not taking that away. We're not taking that away. Okay. But who else saw him drunk? Who else saw him drunk? Who else saw him getting to that level? Where is the support? And see, that's that's part of the problem, too. When you have these friends in your corner who call themselves friends, family members who call themselves loved ones, or you think they're friends or you think they're loved ones. And it's like, do I want that kind of family member or do I want that kind of friend who's going to let me drown in my own bs so as to save the image of how they see themselves in my eyes or am i gonna be that friend that's gonna take the keys away from you am i gonna be that co-worker that's gonna call the uber for you and force you to do what you should be doing for yourself Am I going to be that kind of person? I remember watching one Facebook video where a friend just saw this guy just crap, sloppy drunk, sloppy drunk, sloppy drunk. And just the guy was getting out of hand. He knocked him out for his own good, for his own good. Knocked him out clean. Probably didn't want to do it, but had to do it because sometimes you have to step in and do what you know you should do or what needs to be done. To save a friend, to save a family member. Now, Hector Lyons says, show of hands, how many people on this thread got drunk or get drunk after three beers? He did a foolish thing by driving fast. You don't have to be drunk to do stupid things. I agree. I do agree. I do agree. I do agree. Well, Officer Finley, I will sit here and tell you this. While there is a level of accountability that does need to happen with regard to your actions, I will state that um, I'm not going to condemn you outright. I'm not going to condemn you outright. Will Washington says, this is true, but at times we see people in ways we shouldn't portray them because they don't live up to a title we shouldn't have gave them. Okay. I'm not going to condemn you outright. I can still say that, you know, uh, this show and myself, I have uh, condolences to Raya. No, stop. Stop it. I'll talk about that shortly. I'll talk about your statement shortly. I don't know if I like that or not. Um... I'm I'm going to still say that condolences go out to the family member of uh, Marquita Reed, you know, um, tragic situation. But to sit here and go on the media to say, well, we trust our police officers to, you know, save lives, not take them. Stop. I think that that does the situation a disservice. That does it a disservice. Granted, yes, he should not be behind the wheel of that vehicle. But again, judge not lest ye be judged. How many police officers have left bars 
carrying a firearm and drove home under the influence of alcohol only not to get caught. Only not to get caught. How many of you who have never been the police have done the same thing? Some of you did that just this weekend. <laughs> just this weekend. Yeah, you're right, Jenna. Behind the badge is a normal human being. I can tell you when I was a cop and I was DU when I was uh, on traffic enforcement and Commander Upshaw, I know you're watching because before you became commander, you know I was your supervisor. Um yeah, dude, Saturday night was my favorite night. Oh, it was my favorite night. Man, I used to love dealing with, you know, people driving under the influence of alcohol and people acting crazy and stuff. Saturday night was my favorite night. I loved it. Loved it. You know, um, and, and how many people have I seen drunk, pulled over, just drunk, just doing stupid stuff? So to sit here and try to make the make the analogy or make his this tragic situation analogous with a situation like a Jason Van Dyke, that's wrong. And Will, you you had an important statement that went by so fast I can't even see it. But I caught the gist of it when you put it up there. I don't see any malice. I see, I see, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't see any malice, but he definitely has to be held accountable for that because he did make a decision, but I don't see any malice. I don't see any malice. Now, Tariah, you said, well, this isn't his first traffic offense. Yeah, he was cited for speeding and, and texting while driving. You know how many people do that, right? You mean people speed? Come on. So I don't think to 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 say, come on, he... The, the, I don't see any malice. I just don't see any malice. So, Officer Finley, you have my support. Not support for your decision to get behind the wheel. But you have my support. Because you got to be able to bounce back from this. Family of Marquita Reed, you, you have my support too. Because she didn't ask for this. It truly is a traffic crash. The death truly is an accident. Because it wasn't like there wasn't a situation that caused him to swerve and land in the restaurant. It wasn't like he just sat there and just veered off the road without any provocation. And but not for that crash, could he have made it home? It's possible. He could have made it home. He could have, in fact, made it home. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, Will, I'm reading your statement, definitely. But now the question is, will there be leniency? Not just because he's a police officer, but a person who made a horrible mistake. Mistake. I don't think there's going to be leniency, Will. I don't think so. And I was looking at the, uh, or listening to, yeah, looking and listening, obviously, at the uh, press conference with Superintendent Johnson. We're talking about Superintendent Eddie Johnson of the Chicago Police Department. You know, the, the twang in his voice, you know, the twang in his voice definitely suggests that uh superintendent johnson is definitely going to hold him responsible uh to the highest degree of what occurred in this situation and i just find that twang a little troubling i do um because i've watched i, I watch the news all the time especially when it comes across facebook feed 
And I'm wondering, is that same twang? Yes, Will. Oh, my God. Will Washington hit it on the head. Will he be used as an example? New mayor, Johnson's jobs on the line, community policing, all of those things come into effect or, or, or are on the table because those of you all who don't know how police chiefs are picked or superintendents or commissioners, whatever the title is, it's all the same. And I'm going to read your comment too, Rob. It's all the same. Police chiefs and superintendents and commissioners are not like sheriffs of counties. Uh, sheriffs of counties are elected by the people in that county and are free, in essence, from certain kinds of political pressure, only that they are subject to the voters of that county. Police chiefs and superintendents and commissioners are not in that same box. They are they are they answer to and serve at the will and pleasure of the mayor, which means that just as easily as they were recommended for that job with the advice and consent of the legislature. They can be replaced just like that. Just like that. So their job is only as secure as the mayor likes them. Their job is only as secure as the governor likes them. Same thing. A state police director and a police chief have in a city have one thing in common. They are subject to the will and pleasure of the chief executive. And if the chief executive doesn't like them anymore or they say something that's controversial, you know, yeah, they can lose their job just like that. I know I was a candidate for chief of police in one town. Surprise, I didn't get it. <laughs> it's not that I'm not good at my job. It's just I don't know if sycophancy and I'm not saying that people in chiefs of police positions always do that. But there are some in those positions who are just that. They used to be police officers. They used to be police police officers when they were lieutenants and, and, and sergeants and this and that. Now, when they become chief, they for, not necessarily forget what it's like to be on the job. But now they have a new directive, a new focus. They have to do what the boss wants them to do. And not every mayor is a good mayor. I'm not saying Lori Lightfoot isn't. Please don't misconstrue my words. I'm too direct. But those things do play into, yeah, they do play. Now, uh, Jennifer Brown Childs on Facebook says, ABC WS7 reports that he was drag racing. No excuse for drag racing or being or driving impaired. I don't have any evidence to suggest that. If that is the case, then yes, Terrence Finley, shame on you. You shouldn't be doing that. But I don't have anything to suggest that is the case just because the media reports that to be so of course they're going to demonize him i've seen some people looking at his mugshot and saying ha he couldn't be a chicago police officer chicago police officers have grooming standards yeah um, i don't know maybe for the rookies they might but i've seen some chicago police officers in the what the hell is that you got on your face you just let your body just go so i don't know if those standards are the standards that you think they might be. I don't know. But I don't know if he was drag racing either. Yes, the speed was excessive. Yeah, but come on now. You know how many people I've seen? i tell you what about excessive speed. And we're going to end it at this because I want to go on ahead and talk about Chicago violence because we're approaching another commercial break. You know, I want you want to talk about speeding? Go on the interstate if you're in Chicago. Go on I-94. Go on I-94, east or west, at about maybe 9 o'clock p.m., and just stay on there. 
up till about maybe four, five-ish. Yeah, you'll see some crazy driving. For sure you will. By people who <laughs> weren't even drunk. Are now drunk. Yeah, the Dan Ryan Expressway. Yeah. You'll <laughs> it'll it'll make you hate driving on the E-way. <laughs> You're right, Will. <laughs> I'm not gonna read that comment. <clears throat> Alright, excuse me. We're going to go ahead and take a commercial break with On the Mic with Mike, and we will be back. Uh, but before we do that, our condolences do go to the family of Marquita Reed. We're not making light of this situation. Your loss is very tragic. It's very tragic. Uh, and we wish that your 11 and 13-year-old just have the best of support, the best of support. I hope the family is going to do everything they can for your children, you know. Um, and Terrence Finley, yeah, I, I give you my support too because I don't, I don't think that what you did was malicious. A mistake, sure. A mistake, sure. Yeah, terrible accident, but not malicious. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? It's Instructor Mike. You know what? You've heard me talk about Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. You've heard me talk about Warren versus District of Columbia in that police protection is not something that you as the individual are entitled to. That means you need to protect yourself. And there's no better place to learn how to protect yourself in the Chicagoland area but Security Training Concepts. Security Training Concepts located 455 West 79th Street by Normal Avenue in Chicago offers Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation licensed unarmed and armed security training and concealed carry classes along with anger management cpr training nonviolent crisis intervention look you need to get yourself trained come on down 455 west 79th street by normal avenue in chicago 773-372-3929 or visit us on the web at www.mikebrownsclass.com Hey, this commercial break has been brought to you today by Native Girls Pearls. Native Girls Pearls, a U.S. Army veteran and just a mom who always wanted to instill the value and appreciation of hard work and multiple streams of income into her children. Pearl Girls Parties are an interactive experience where they get to interact with their customers and host Facebook Live parties and reveal people's orders online. At Native Girls Pearls, they have a blast with the games, the prizes and the special guest appearances, the giveaways and the plain fun of it all. It's just like hanging out with their awesome friends and making money while doing so. If you've ever been interested in Pearl Girls Parties or ever been interested in a Pearl Party, go on ahead to Native Girls Pearls. Visit them at their Facebook page, Native Girls Pearls. That's nativegirlspearls.com. All right, welcome back to On the Mic with Mike. Uh, again, you can follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Instructor Mike. You can also visit uh, my business webpage, uh, Security Trading Concepts. Like, subscribe, hit the notification button, all that great stuff. Uh, you can also follow me on my YouTube channel. Help me get to 1,000 followers. I got like 38,000 followers and 4,900 friends and stuff like that on Facebook, all that great stuff. Help me get to 1,000 uh, subscribers, not followers, 1,000 subscribers on uh, YouTube by going to my YouTube page, Instructor Mike. Um, you can also put in my inbox, what kind of content do you want to see? I serve at your will and pleasure. You know, what kind of comments do you, content do you want to see? You know, um... So let's let's go ahead and do that. You can also subscribe to the uh, podcast on the mic with Mike. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just type up, you know, type in the search bar on the mic with Mike, and you will see me there and subscribe. You know, I got a lot of 
content on there, a lot of things that I talk about. Um, we're going to have a guest uh, on the podcast uh, later this week. I got to give him a call up. Um, he is an officer that was involved in an officer uh, involved shooting. Um, so we'll talk about that. Give you a little hint. Okay. Let's talk about Chicago violence, Chicago violence and accountability Mondays. Um, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what kind of initiatives you try to inst- institute that attempt to get around the main focus or what should be done to address Chicago violence, it is not going to stop. Do you hear me? Chicago violence is what it is. And so we ask the question, what if anything should be done what worked, what didn't work when we're talking about addressing Chicago violence. Well, let's dive into it. First of all, I'm going to say something that's controversial. <laughs> no surprise here. But Superintendent Gary McCarthy, I kind of miss the guy. I, I kind of miss the guy. Um, why can I say I miss him? Uh, I can sit here and say that I miss him because I remember when he became superintendent. Sure, out-of-towner, not too many people wanted him. They accepted him because Rahm Emanuel chose him. But let's make no mistake about his police career. Started out in New York uh, as a police officer, rose through the ranks to deputy commissioner for operations, uh, left that to become director of police in Newark, and then left that to become superintendent in Chicago. Um, I liked him. Because during, boy, you don't have to tell me, Rob McCarthy was the real police, okay? Um, he, uh, during the NATO summit, when I seen, uh, I think it was the NATO summit that was in Chicago, and there were a lot of protests, man, I'm telling you, having worked for some questionable bosses, it was love to see him out there with the troops when he could have been in the talk or the tactical operations center or whatever they choose to call it, where the Secret Service was there. Uh, um, who else was there? The FBI, ATF, all the agencies that's in one room, the heads making these administrative decisions. McCarthy was boots on the ground. Man, that was great to see. Oh, that was great to see, especially for somebody who's a line, who was a line officer. That was great to see. It's always good to see when your leaders are out there embracing the suck. Okay. That having been said, what I also liked about Superintendent McCarthy was, and I know I got some Chicago police officers who are friends. They're watching me right now. You may hate what I'm about to say. Ask me if I care. Love you. But I loved it when I saw the police out here boots on the ground, out here in the streets. I loved it when I saw, uh, and my business is in the heart of the 6th District, uh, Gresham, right on 79th and Normal. You know, uh, so I see Chicago police from the 6th District you know, driving and speeding and going to calls. And, and I know it's a hot call when you see, it's just, you'll see the constant, you know, them responding to a given situation where it calls for a massive police presence. But you know what I also like seeing? I also liked driving down 79th Street. And I also like seeing them 
in groups of twos, threes, fours, whatever, walking with the and they couldn't wear the baseball caps. I think McCarthy told him you got to abandon those baseball caps, wear the service cap. I think that's what it's called. I don't know the lingo. Different different places have different lingo, but the service cap. You know, just like in New York. Granted, I get it. It's not New York. Chicago has its different situations than New York. I don't do the accent well. You get it. But um I like seeing that. I like seeing more of the bike patrol. You know, because that was that was a okay, we can talk about officer safety. Yeah, okay, all right. It's not safe for the officers, right? But talk about doing some stuff illegal and then just happen to see a group of five cops just pop around the corner that you didn't expect were coming there, right? It kind of shit it kind of shifted your, you know, it was more intimate, engaging. I agree. And it's like it shifted the 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 way that criminals or people engaged in behavior it kind of it made them shift how they had to do things because now we're starting to see more of them on foot on bike in in crime-ridden neighborhoods it changed the way they had to do things hell it even <laughs> you want to talk about from an officer's safety perspective when you are in the car it's just like, uh, let me let me break it to a perspective on the streets as an officer and then go to the car to prove my point. When you wear that vest, you tend to be more risk-taking, if you will. You know, some do. Some do, right? You tend to be more risk-taking because you rely on the safety of the ballistic vest. You tend to rely on the safety of, if I get shot, I got a barrier that can save my life. But it's amazing how your behavior changed when you weren't wearing a vest. You were more quick to talk and maybe a little less provocative. Now let's break it down to the vehicle. You're in the comfort and the safety of the gas pedal. So you can press that gas pedal and you can get out of that situation. That maybe you probably add a little bit more fuel to the fire. Oh, but when you are out there on the street and when you know, in fact, that when you get on that radio and you call for a 10-1, which is officer in need of assistance, but you know there is time that the officers who are coming for you, the cavalry has to respond. You know that it's going to still take some time before they get there. And a lot can go down between the time I made the call and the time that they get there. And we got to survive this. You might be a little bit more engaging, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more. And I'm not saying all police officers fit this bill. Please don't misconstrue my words, right? But you might be a little bit more engaging, a little bit more, hey, let's let's work the problem out because an ass whooping is seconds away. Right. So it, it, it has that effect, you know, and I miss that. I remember one time when it was raining very bad and uh, it was like a team of bike officers. It was like five of them and they were traveling north. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little nose code. They were traveling north on uh, 79th Street. I'm not not north, not north. I'm sorry. They were traveling east on 79th Street, uh, passing normal. 
uh, and it was raining very, very bad, and and they didn't want to be out there riding. I opened my business. I was already open. Opened my business and let them stand underneath the awning and let them come inside and dry off until the rain let up. That was great. That made me feel good. Not that I just opened the door, but to see them out there, boots on the ground. I was one of those officers where, you know, and my unorthodox ways of catching people would be like, you know, I would be on bike patrol and then I would uh, park my bike someplace and then be at a stop sign. And then when people approach the stop sign, they're not expecting a police officer to be at the stop sign. So now I'm catching you not wearing your seatbelt. I'm catching you doing other things. And it was just and I had, of course, I had chase cars and stuff like that in the vicinity. So it was planned, you know, but they're not expecting those things. Maybe the approach to Chicago violence would be doing the unexpected. Yeah, doing the unexpected. You gotta change up. Maybe maybe the violence happens in part because they know what the hell you're gonna do. They know you love that car. They know you're, the, the, you're, the car is your safety net. You can get the hell away fast. They know that. Maybe you change up. That's an idea. Superintendent Johnson, if you're listening. You're probably not. I'm not that important. Did I just make that smacking sound that girls make when you choose some... Candy, yeah, sometimes I catch myself doing that. Mm -mm. Moving on, <laughs> a little sidebar. Um, also, stop and frisk. Controversial thing. But is it necessary? I tend to think so, right? It's amazing how we condemn the actions of police officers when they use stop and frisk. And of course, if they use it erroneously, if they use it you know, wrongfully. Yes, it is worth condemnation. But does stop and frisk work? Should it be totally eliminated as a police tactic? What do you think? I tend to think it should still be used. I think it should be monitored, but I think it should be used. Well, still, well, Mike, no, stop. We shouldn't use stop and frisk. Mike, it has been shown by the ACLU. It has been shown by certain agencies that are overwatchers of police agencies that they use it indiscriminately towards black and brown folks well as a black folk as said black folk who is born and raised black living in the black community do we not have violence in our community do we not have people who don't care about the law do we not have people who look like me who have, who have no problem harming people, who have no, ha has no problem killing people. Next time you become accosted or next time somebody approaches you with a gun or next time somebody approaches you and implies that they have a gun to take your stuff, remind them, brother, sister, I'm black. Why are you trying to harm me, black brother? Why are you trying to harm me, black sister? See what that does. See what that does. See if the the call to brotherhood or sisterhood ship, whatever you want to call it. See if that changes them. Sean Amir Stone says, Mike Brown, I can't believe you like the stop and frisk. Sean, I'm going to tell you, I've been a proponent of it. Why? Because I've used it and I know it works. Because one, I'm not going to indiscriminately use it or just people I think are doing something on the basis of race. That's number one. And number two, you know how many guns I've gotten 
off the streets. You know how many, uh, how much narcotics I've gotten off the streets by using stop and frisk? Come on, now don't tell me it doesn't work. You don't like it, but it does work. Is it used wrongfully? Yes. That's what you should have said, Sean. Is it used wrongfully? Yes, it is. Yeah, by some police officers. But it does work. You want to talk about something else that's controversial? There are more people who are killed with the use of a vehicle, yet we don't stop people from driving. Go figure. Go figure. So not everything that's wrong for certain people should be ruled out all the way. Because unlike stop and frisk, according to some people, arguably, we don't need stop and frisk, but we need the vehicle. So we're not going to ban the vehicle, even though the vehicle kills people way more than guns. Well, do we need stop and frisk? I don't know. I tend to think we do. Will Washington, he says, we spend too much time expecting and desiring police to stop crime. Police are usually called after the crime has been committed. We don't and will never have more cops than citizens. How is it possible for police to prevent crime or a good portion of it when they are outnumbered and those committing crimes careless? That's why he's my buddy. That's why he's my buddy. It's a very thought-provoking statement. I've always said that that young man, and I'm saying young, young, wait, Dominic Pettis, you said, I am one of the few that use it wrong. Oh, do tell, Dominique. <laughs> do tell. You said, I am, oh, I'm one of the few that use it wrong. You got to come on now. You can't. You can't come on my page and attack me without facts, stats and figures. So please tell me why. Why do I use it wrong? Is it that you are possibly one of the ones that was the victim of it and maybe you got caught? I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying that there are certain police officers who don't do the wrong thing. Yeah, we got police officers who do the wrong thing. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, you corrected it. Dominique, you got to come on now. I was going, I was getting ready to go there. I was getting ready to go there. Speaking of going there, we are at that time for the commercial break. We're going to go on ahead and take a commercial break and we'll be back with on the mic with Mike to talk just a little bit more about Chicago violence. And then we're going to go on ahead and get out of Chicago and go right on into Florida and talk about Scott Peterson and the situation with the uh, active shooting in Parkland, Florida. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? It's Instructor Mike. Are you in the market for a good firearm? Are you looking for a place in the state of Illinois where you can practice effective and safe usage of a firearm to defend yourself, shooting for sport, or just inviting your family members out to a wonderful place where they can learn about exercising their Second Amendment rights? Well, Eagle Sports Range is the place for you. 5900 West 159th Street in Oak Forest. Our state-of-the-art range is comfortable, safe, and provides you with the perfect environment to enjoy your shooting. Whether you're a firearms enthusiast or just starting out, their range has everything you want for your shooting needs. Fully air-conditioned for comfort with friendly and knowledgeable staff, that also have a great selection of firearms for sale or rent, as well as ammunition that you conveniently need on site. Eagle Sports Range, that's eaglesportsrange.com, 708-535-3000. Urban Cop. <laughs> All right, we're back with On the Mic with Mike. We're back with On the Mic with Mike. We're going to talk a little bit more about Chicago Violence and Accountability Mondays. Is that going to work? Um, newly elected Mayor Lori 
Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot has instituted Accountability Mondays where she is beginning to call to the carpet, uh, for the lack of a better term, calling to the carpet uh, police commanders and their attempts to solve crimes in the district. I thought that was called Comstat. <laughs> I, I guess we could call it Accountability Mondays. Uh, why not Thoughtful Tuesdays? What about Work It Out Wednesdays? What about, hey, that should be different Thursdays. What about Fuck It Fridays? Yes, I said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't get mad. What about that? I don't know. We can we can give it all kind of cute names and stuff like that. That being said, Comstat is important for people to understand what Comstat is. That's when you have the police chief and the and the commanders all get into a room and they begin to talk about crime statistics and how we can, you know, patterns in crime and shifting resources and stuff like that. Meetings like that are very important. But is the purpose of accountability Mondays to just blame the police, blame the police, blame the police? Because you can't sit here and state that the police are 100% responsible for the rise in crime. We looked at the Memorial Day weekend and we looked at the, the heavy shift or the increase, if you will, of... Uh, we'll talk about that, Sean. We'll look at the increase of the police presence. And even that, I don't care how you dress it, how wonderful you get in front of a camera and you have your shiny white shirt with your wonderful stars and your wonderful awards surrounded by wonderful people who are stating we're going to go ahead and attack this crime problem. Look, I'm sorry. You're just dressing or putting a, a, a Band-Aid over an arterial bleed. You're putting a Band-Aid over an arterial bleed. No wonder Memorial Day weekend was horrible. It, it's, it's something. It's, it's something else when you look at that. You know, no wonder it was horrible. You know, I think, what, 50-something people shot? Eight of them fatally? Maybe even more? <sighs> yeah, I live in a city that's violent. I've always lived in a city that's violent. Those of you all who know anything about crime and you know homicide and stuff like that in Chicago, it was worse in the 90s when we had structured gangs and gang leaders. Now we have factions and fractions and, and offshoots and offsets and it's supposedly more violent. I don't know if that's the case. I just know it's more publicized. I just know it's more out there in your face because we have Facebook Live and YouTube and you know all of the kinds of social media and podcasts and things like that. Things that we didn't have in the 90s where we just had just the media. So you maybe didn't see it until it came on the news in the morning or in midday or in the evening. Now you see it all the time. You know. Yeah. Something else. So what will do. What will what will be the fixer of Chicago violence? As the Joker said in the 1980s movie Batman. And we're talking about Jack Nicholson's Joker. You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs and as a fat guy I like omelets I tend to like eggs broken I don't want my shells in the eggs right so if you got to break some eggs to make that omelet that doesn't mean you disrespect people and violate their rights but bring back stop and frisk let's see if it changes something right bring back getting your butt out of the car and walking on foot not by yourself I'm not going to advocate you doing it by yourself maybe in certain neighborhoods you can do that but what about teams of threes fives whatever what about that? Let's change it up. How about this? How about all the guys in the neighborhood? This is wear a suit and tie. Maybe make yourself feel better. Maybe get a job. Let's do that. Can we just for one day 
affect the arrest rate just for that one day? Can we put everybody to work? Oh my God, Mike, there's a social disvestment or disinvestment in black and brown communities. Yeah, okay, we can argue that too. Is there a lack of work ethic too? Do some people want to be a CEO and not want to be the janitor? Is that a part of it too? When are we going to have that truthful conversation about the factors that lead to violence? When are we going to have that? Will Washington says, I know plenty that live that life and I can go stand on them blocks with them, but I choose not to. People should be allowed to enjoy themselves wherever, but we are in a world where people tend to not make conscious decisions or reasonable decisions due to their ego or proving that they're tougher, et cetera. You are correct. You are very, very correct. Very correct. All right, let's go on ahead and fly on out of Chicago via O'Hare Airport or Midway. And let's go on ahead and head to Florida. Scott Peterson. Uh, Scott Peterson, for those of you all who don't remember, is the former Broward Sheriff's Deputy, Scott Peterson, who was the school re resource officer who was assigned to the Missouri Stone uh, Stoneman Douglas uh, High School, where uh, during that fateful day, um, where all those all those kids and people were shot. Okay, he is being charged with um, yeah, he's being charged with. Let me see. Let me get to it. He has been charged with seven counts of child neglect with great bodily harm, three counts of culpable negligence and exposure to harm, and one count of perjury. Can he be convicted of that, though? Those of you all who follow me have heard me state and heard me quote uh, certain cases such as Warren versus District of Columbia. Okay, where the police don't have an individual duty to protect you, but the duty is at large. Castle Rock versus Gonzalez, right? Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. I'm going to read Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. I know it off the top of my head, but I'm going to read it too. Because this is an interesting thing to talk about. Now, Instagram, I got a minute, 52 seconds later uh, or left. So this live is going to shut down on Instagram. So just join me on Facebook, okay? Or watch me on YouTube because the video will be posted to YouTube as well. Uh, but watch me on there. Let's go on ahead and look at um, the situation with Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. Okay. Mm -hmm. You hear me typing. <laughs> See, I love to do research. Mm, Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. Here we go. Uh, the case brief in that. Um, I know this situation offhand. Yeah, you said he can't be convicted legally, but he should be. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. So Castle Rock versus Gonzalez, it is codified as 545 U.S. 748 2005. That's 545 U.S. 748 2005. It's a United States Supreme Court case uh, where the court ruled 7 to 2 that a town and its police department cannot be sued under Title 42, United States Code Section 1983 for failing to enforce a restraining order which led to the murder of a woman's three children by her estranged husband. Okay, uh, I'm going to read the background and synopsis. During divorce proceedings, Jessica... Lenahan Gonzalez, a resident of Castle Rock, Colorado. I'm going to go ahead and end this live. Just join me on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, we're going to still be up. Uh, but Instagram, I'm going to end this. And then we'll uh, just join me on Facebook or on YouTube. Take care, guys. All right. So here we go. Yeah. Okay. During divorce proceedings, Jessica Lenahan Gonzalez, a resident of Castle Rock, Colorado, obtained a permit, uh, rest a permanent restraining order against her husband, Simon, who had been stalking her in 1999. 
requiring him to remain, you know, a certain feat. It has the protected parties of the kids and stuff like that. You know, uh, long and short of it, uh, he violated the order, had the kids with him, t- uh, took the kids uh, whose names were where I had the names here, uh, whose uh, took the kids with him to the police department, killed the kids and then got into a police encounter uh yeah and uh, got into a police encounter with uh the police a shootout and was subsequently shot and killed with the uh, by the officers um a search of his vehicle revealed the corpses of his three daughters whom it was assumed that he killed prior to his arrival okay um long and short of it she tried to sue the town of castle rock uh, believing that she had a property interest in protection, a property interest in protection. Uh, and the court held seven to two that the town of Castle Rock and its police department could not be sued under Title 42 United States Code Section 1983, which is the uh, code for civil rights violations um, uh, for failure to enforce a restraining order against the respondent's husband as the enforcement of the restraining order does not constitute a property right for 14th Amendment purposes, you cannot receive something that you are not entitled to. Okay, protection is not something that you are entitled to. Protection is something that you give yourself. And so when we look at that, this case, could it be a case that could affect Castle Rock versus Gonzalez? I don't know. But please don't make a mistake about it. His attorney, Scott Peterson's attorney, of course, we're talking about the uh, former Broward County Sheriff's deputy, Scott Peterson, who failed to act. Make no mistake about it. He failed to act uh, to stop uh, the shooter from shooting all of those uh, children at, uh, in Parkland, Florida. Uh, but can he be convicted? Is this a case that will uh, that will hold water? We'll just have to see. Um, legal experts believe that maybe on the perjury count. He can be held responsible, but on the uh, uh, situation regarding, you know, his failure to act, should he have been fired? Yes. Should he have been penalized? Yes. And in, and in fact, records show that he attended a lot of active uh, shooter courses, okay, where there is, it teaches you to respond to the shots. It teaches you to engage the deadly threat and neutralize the deadly threat and then come back, do triage and all that other stuff. And of course, the active shooting doctrines and principles uh, came as the result or in the wake of uh, the Columbine shooting where Dylan, uh, Dylan Harris and uh, Eric, I think it was Eric Klebold, Darren Hill, I think Eric, sorry, Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold, the two shooters from Columbine, went inside in Columbine High School in Little Rock, uh, I'm, I'm, I think it's uh, in Littleton, Colorado, and shot uh, uh, a lot of students and a couple of teachers as well. Uh, and I think that the active shooter doctrine came as a result of that because uh, the police officers responded to the scene but had no uh, procedures on what to do and they had to wait for SWAT to come there. And so now we don't wait for SWAT. There's an active shooting situation. Uh, you go right on in, address the threat. And even the procedures have changed. You know, you used to have to have more than one person, a, a diamond formation, bounding overwatch, proceed, all this other stuff. And then, it cha- and then it changed to just, look, whoever's there, just go. And so uh, that having been said, Scott Peterson was there and had the responsibility and arguably the duty to address this deadly threat. And we see that Scott Peterson was exactly who he is, a coward. I'm just going to say it, a coward. Days from retirement. 
thought more about his pension than he did those kids. But can he, can he be criminally convicted? So you can't eat your cake and have it too, right? You don't want to be held responsible for the failure to protect, but then you want to sue an officer for the failure to protect. I don't know. Is that a categorical imperative? Can we will this as universal law? Yeah, we can argue that we could, but this is what happens when you have case law that says, wait a minute, protection is not something that you're entitled to, so we can't be sued because we didn't protect you, but we're going to get this officer for the failure to protect. It's ironic. Stay tuned. It'll be something to watch, okay? All right, I've had you for over an hour, okay? I appreciate your support. Follow me on Instagram, and yes, Mike said it, Follow me or subscribe to my YouTube page, Instructor Mike. What's going on, Evan Garcia? How are you? Hope everything is well with you. Long time no hear, long time no see. Um, great episodes uh, of Chicago Tonight. Great episodes too. Uh, here we go. Yeah, follow me on uh, Instagram at Yes Mike Said It. Follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. Uh, inbox me. What content do you want to see? I serve at your will and pleasure. Okay. Um, and what's going on, Velda Bruner? Out of uh, I hope I said your last name right, Bruner. Out of the uh, I believe the 15th district. Uh, great job, you do great things out there too. Uh, follow me or subscribe to my YouTube page, Instructor Mike. Um, just hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for the notifications. A lot of good content stuff out there. Uh, and if my content is crappy, let me know, please. <laughs> I can say it's good, but what do I know what's good or not, right? So uh, I serve at your will and pleasure. So you know, let me know what do you want to see. You know, what do you want to learn? I'm going to continue to put stuff out there. Uh, yeah, so let's get on out of here. Uh, you all be safe. Get your butt in somebody's concealed carry class. You know, support the Second Amendment. You know, uh, defend yourself. It's no one else's job to protect you but you. So do that. Stay safe.